coaches, what's up? You're tuning in to keep your pads down, so get your head on a swivel, brace for impact, because we're coming at you with a full head of steam, and not one or two or even three guests, but eight guests in all on the podcast today. So lock in and get your mind right for episode number 110 of KYPD. Well, before we kick off with today's show, this past week was a lot of fun here at Pleasant Grove. Shout out to our baseball team who won the 4A state championship on Thursday night uh, there at Dish Falk Field in Austin. Uh, several of us football coaches and our families made it down to uh, to Austin, along with, with seemingly the whole community of Pleasant Grove. It was a great atmosphere uh, for both games to watch the Hawks take care of Stephenville on Wednesday uh, in the semifinal and then edge out Rusk Thursday night by a score of two to one. Uh, you know, ended the game on a double play uh, to, to cap off what was an amazing run this season that was full of a lot of bumps in the road uh, for those guys. But, you know, they, they persevered and kept getting better each week. And it was really special to watch them get better throughout throughout the week. And, and so uh, all of that culminated with them, you know, winning a state championship Thursday night, making it happen. So congratulations to those guys. Uh, it was, again, just a lot of fun to be around that this week. And in the midst of all that fun, I did get to sit down with eight other D-line coaches, uh, half of whom I did not know before we got started, and talk some D-line play. And I can only speak for myself, but I really enjoyed our conversation. Now, that, th this format is something uh, different for our podcast. Uh, it was great hearing those guys' perspectives on you know, a lot of topics pertaining to D-line play. Uh, some of the things that we get into today are, you know, do you teach your guys to strike the O-line with their face and hands or hands only? That was sort of a, a hot uh, button issue on defensive line Twitter in the last couple of weeks. And so we talk about that. We also talk about uh, what these guys feel like is the most undercoached aspect of D-line play. Uh, we also talk about the merits of coaching the hip flip when we're talking pass rush. Uh, so a lot of things that we get into today and, and a really great episode for you, uh, especially if you're a defensive line coach. Now, before I introduce you to our guests today, let me tell you a little bit about our sponsors for season three of KYPD, beginning with our friends at Go Edit Graphics. Coaches, if you spend any time on social media today, then you have no doubt seen how many programs are promoting their athletes and athletic programs with eye-catching professional looking graphics. And you might be wondering, how do they even do that? Well, many are turning to GoEdit Graphics. GoEdit Graphics allows any coach to create custom graphics in minutes by changing the colors, text, and images to make it their own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, and communication to name a few. The platform is easy, it's affordable, and no design skills are needed. So if you're looking for a way to promote the awesome things going on in your athletic program, then the team at GoEdit Graphics has got you covered. Subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. Here's something else that's cool. Mention keep your pads down and receive $25 off your showcase yearly package. You can check them out on Twitter at GoEditGraphics or visit their website through the link in today's show notes to see examples of the awesome graphics coaches have already created. Showcase your athletes with custom graphics in minutes with GoEditGraphics. And we're also proud to be partnering with the guys over at Our Coaching Network for Season 3 of KYPD. Our Coaching Network is a new football coaching platform connecting coaches from all levels and helping them get better every week. Our Coaching Network has live clinics going off every week and will have 150-plus hours of high-quality live coaching clinics this year with each week's clinics added to a library that can be referred back to at any time in the future. This week, Our Coaching Network has two really unique clinics they're putting on, beginning with a roundtable discussion on coaching up punt return on Monday night. Then on Tuesday night, you can tune in to hear from one of the co-founders of Our Coaching Network, Pat Curran, 
talk about how to build your brand as a coach through social media, a, a really interesting topic that all coaches looking to advance in our profession should be thinking about. So anyway, get on over there to our coaching network, create your account. That money you're spending is an investment in yourself and you're going to level up on your football knowledge and begin learning and connecting with coaches from all over the country. All right, so let me introduce you to our guest today. On the, uh, on the podcast today, we have first a coach, Bubba Ziegler, who's a D-line coach at West Watchtaw High School in West Monroe, Louisiana. And if you're going to coach in West Monroe, Louisiana, I can't think of a better name as a coach than Bubba. So uh, glad to have Coach Ziegler on the podcast. Next up is my man, Coach Josh Lyons, who's a defensive line coach at Kilgore High School in Kilgore, Texas. Uh, he's also a former guest on this podcast. Uh, and then we have Coach Justin Mendoza, who I've worked with before uh, in the past. He's a defensive tackles coach at New Braunfels Canyon High School there in New Braunfels, Texas. Also excited to have on Coach Steven Argelis, who's a D-line coach at Waco Midway High School in Waco, Texas. Next up is Coach Travis Manor, who quite possibly has the best Twitter profile picture ever. Uh, I'll let you guys go and, 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 and look that up and find it. But he is the, uh, the D-line coach at Sanger High School in Sanger, Texas. Next up is Coach Sandy McCarty, D-line coach at McKinney High School in McKinney, Texas, where they have the, if not the best high school football stadium uh, in the in the nation, definitely uh, in the state of Texas. And I say that, and that's a little bit controversial because right across town, you do have uh, Allen High School Stadium, and they're both just, I mean, uh, elite stadiums, not just high school stadiums, but football stadiums in general. But yeah, go Google uh, McKinney High School uh, football stadium or McKinney ISD football stadium and check that thing out. Uh, next, we have Coach Tino Acosta, who's a D-line coach at Weatherford, Texas, and the number one KYPD fan, I might add. I think he's I think he's officially overtaken my mom in that role. I hear from Coach Acosta every week. He emails me and talks to me about what he liked about the episode and some things he picked up. So I really appreciate his encouragement and so glad that uh, he got to join us for this one. And last but certainly not least, we have my man, Coach Tyrus Rory, uh, who's joining us. Uh, Coach Coach Rory is a D-line coach in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, always enjoy having coaches on who are from outside of the state of Texas. I know that you know we have a lot of guys from Texas because that's where I'm from and have a lot of connections here, but always appreciate and, and love having guys on from outside of the state of Texas. So really glad uh, Coach Rory is joining us. Had a lot of fun chopping it up with these guys and gleaned some great stuff from our conversation today and, and know that you will too. Well, that being said, let's go ahead and dive right into this thing. Here is episode number 110 of Keep Your Pads Down. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And what is really a first for this podcast, so we're doing a roundtable discussion of sorts. Uh, let's begin with you guys. Give us a brief introduction, if you don't mind. And uh, just tell us your name, your, your, your coaching position, and where you coach currently. And Coach Ziegler, you are, uh, you're up first, my man. Go ahead and uh, introduce yourself for everybody out there. Thanks, Ty. My name's uh, Brennan Ziegler. I'm a defensive line coach at uh, West Washington High School. Um, about the North Central between Ruston, Louisiana, and Westboro, Louisiana. Okay, and, and and this next coach doesn't have his last name. He's kind of like Cher or The Rock. You know, you just one name. He goes by one name and one name only. I like that. Coach Josh, where you at, Coach Josh? Give us uh, give us your introduction. How y'all doing? Uh, my name is Josh Lyons. I'm the D-line coach at uh, Kilgore High School. 
Kilgore, Texas. And and I and for you guys who are listening to this, I know Coach Josh, Coach Josh Lyons at Kilgore. I just mess with him a little bit. I I, I like I like uh, giving him a hard time. He's a brand new dad, and and uh, so he uh, he needs all the uh, humor in his life that he can handle. All right, next up is another guy uh, that I know and am familiar with, and that's someone I've worked with before, and that's Coach Mendoza. Go ahead, Coach Mendoza. Hey guys, Justin Mendoza here, um, assistant coach, D line. Uh, New Braunfels Canyon. I uh, just took that position uh, this past uh, summer. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, coach defensive tackles and uh, looking forward to this upcoming school year. Great, great. Okay, Coach McCarty, go ahead. Uh, what's up, fellas? My name's uh, Sandy McCarty. I'm a D-line coach, D-line coach at McKinney High School. And uh, it's my third, I just finished third year there. At McKinney High, I've been there three years with Coach Shavers, and uh, I just finished year number seventeen to- overall. So, um, you know, looking forward to looking forward to hopefully getting back in the playoffs next year. So that's what we're looking forward to. Awesome, awesome. Okay, next up, Coach Argelis. I'm Coach Argelis. I'm over. Stephen Argelis is fine. Um, I'm at Waco Midway. So what's up, Mister uh, Guy McKinney, Mister McCarty? We've uh, we faced off a couple years ago. A uh, pretty good battle. Um, I coach defensive ends, um, and I've been here for five years. Great, great. All right. Uh, next up, let me see who we got here. My, this, okay, you guys, I know you may all think you're fans of this podcast, and you might claim to be fans, but this next guy is, he is the number one KYPD fan because I get an email from him every week telling me uh, how much he liked the episode. Uh, so he's a huge supporter of this podcast and a great coach as well, and that's Coach Tino Acosta. Go ahead, Coach. Here's your, uh, here's your moment. Introduce yourself to these guys. What's up, fellas? Tino Costa. I'm a D-line coach at Weatherford. I've been at Iowa Park the past seven years, and, man, this is a great source for everybody. You know, So thank you, Ty, for putting it on. Appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, uh, going down the list here, let's see. Coach Maynard, go ahead. Uh, Travis Maynard. Uh, I'm the D-line coach uh, at Sanger High School. Uh, I'm also the middle school boys coordinator, uh, so I get a whole lot of middle school to high school fun. Uh, this is my first, just finished my first year at Sanger. Awesome. And next up, Coach Rory, joining us from the East Coast. What you got, Coach Rory? Travis Rory, guys. How y'all doing? I'm a high school D-line coach here out of Charlotte, North Carolina. I've been following Keep Your Pads Down. Uh, I've been coaching about 16 years now. Played some arena ball, played in college. So I, I love this form, and I, I look forward to talking and chatting with you guys. We're going to first start off with uh, a, a little bit of a softball here and kind of get the ball rolling. I want to, uh, I want to hear uh, how you, just real quickly, how you got into coaching. Maybe, you know, I've had guys tell their stories here on this podcast where uh, we've had a coach who started out as a beer and liquor distributor uh, and, then, and then realized hey, that's not what he wanted to do, so he got into coaching. We've had guys who, you know, just recently was, was telling us that they're backpacking in New Zealand for a year, and then they, they got into coaching. And we've had guys who pretty typical route into coaching. So for you, uh, how did you get into coaching? And Coach McCarty, we're going to start with you, if you don't mind. How did you get into coaching? Well, I don't – I wish I had some kind of um, amazing story or something like you said, if I, you know, whatever, doing something or backpacking in Europe or something like that. I wish I had something like spectacular to – to tell everybody, but for me, I just, I, to be honest, uh, just I had some really good, uh, amazing football, uh, high school football coaches for me. And it's just something I always wanted to do. I, mean, I always had a calling for it. Uh, you know, so I had some amazing uh, defensive coordinators when I was in high school. I kind of grew up in Flower Mound. I was at Marcus for a little bit, and then my dad moved us to Oklahoma. And then we kind of finished off at 
Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And of course, it's a bit of a culture shock going from Flower Mound, Texas, going up to Oklahoma, you know, and stuff like that. This is many, many years ago, Coach, but, uh, you know, made the best of it, but had some amazing coaches up there, you know, at, at Bigsby and Broken Arrow and Union and Jenks and uh, lots of great football coaches up there. So I just was probably just inspired by a lot of guys when I was in high school, my junior and senior year, and I just kind of took it from there. And that's just something, something I knew I always wanted to do, always. Coach Acosta, tell us your, your, your story, how, a little bit about your football journey and how you got in, in, into coaching. Well, man, it all started. I graduated from uh, Saul State University in 91, and I played a little basketball there, very little, but I played. And uh, I just got inspired by the people around me, you know, coaches before, you know, in high school and college. And I had a job at Zavala Middle School in Pegas, Texas, seventh grade campus. And I was volunteering for the football team. And they had a guy who had to give it up for personal reasons. And I just slid into the spot and been blessed ever since, 30 years later. And Coach Lyons, I know you and I, we, we've, we've, uh, we've talked before on this podcast. I had you on uh, about a, a little over a year ago. And so I know you played at Sam Houston. For these guys who don't know, the, 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 the national champion, Sam Houston State Bearcats. That's uh, right. So talk a little bit about how you, how you got into coaching. Uh, I come from a military family. Uh, a lot of the time when my parents were off, they're using coaching as an outlet uh, just to kind of get away from the military life. Uh, it's something that I kind of stepped into um, just due to being around it my whole life, you know, through throughout, uh, you know, my parents being deployed and stuff. I was usually playing sports. Um, like I said, just always being around athletics. So uh, when I graduated, uh, when I graduated from Sam, I actually wanted to be a personal, not a not a personal trainer, but a per, uh, athletic trainer. Um, and then I GA for a year and just kind of fell in love with it. Uh, I've been been coaching ball ever since. Great. Well, let's let's uh, move on to our next question here. And our next question is kind of in those same vein, we, that that same vein of you know how you got into coaching. But this one is, you know, just thinking about some some advice that you got as a young coach, or maybe even as you were you know been coaching for a while. But I want to hear about um, from you guys the best advice you ever received as a coach. And Coach Argelis, we'll, we'll we'll kick it off with you. Uh, talk to us about some really good advice that you got maybe early on in your coaching career. Uh, some of the advice that I got early on, I mean, early, early on was obviously develop relationships with those kids. Um, you can only push those kids as hard as your relationship is and how much of a concrete relationship you have with those kids. Um, we're going to put those kids in uncomfortable situations that sometimes they don't want to be in. Obviously, like off season and things of that nature. Um, are not the most fun thing to do, especially nowadays. Um, and if they know they have somebody behind them, pushing them, loving on them, um, holding them to a high expectation, I think you're going to get more out of your kids. And I thought that was a, the number one standard that I li- try to live up to. Absolutely. Coach Ziegler, what do you got? Well, <laughs> I've heard this at a clinic when I was early on in coaching. Be where you are. Um, a lot of times in the coaching coaching philosophy or coaching job is we're always worried about what we don't have instead of what we got right at our feet. And the kids deserve us to think, deserve it for us to believe, you know, we want to be there with them. We want to be there. They deserve it. The program that you try to build deserves that, that, that mindset. We are having a society that it's, it's always trying to keep up with the Joneses, uh, 
try to keep up with the school right down the road when you could bypass, when you do that, you bypass things that you should care about in-house and at your feet. So be where you are would be my, my most important coaching advice that I've gotten. Yeah, some all, all of that is really good advice and really solid advice. You guys are fortunate to, to have uh, you know, been around people who have been able to uh, steer you in the right direction as far as that goes. Uh, open this up to the rest of you guys. Anybody else have some really solid advice that you have gotten at some point in your coaching career? To be friends and network with office of coaches. Get with the office of coordinators. Get with the O-line guys. See what they're doing. Become friends with those guys. You know, a lot of times, we, you know, being a position coach defense, that's how you learn. If that's how I learned over the years and it made me well uh, at coaching. I played football and I thought I knew a lot about D-line until I ran defensive coordinator, until I really got, and I seen how those offensive guys wanted to attack me. So that's my advice is to get with some offensive coaches. That's don't always be around defensive guys. Just hang with some offensive guys and learn what they're doing to us, man. <laughs> that's hard because those offensive coaches are dorks most of the time. Yeah, they secretive, right? Yeah, you don't, <laughs> don't like hanging with those guys. But all right, I got you. No, that's good advice. That's good advice. <laughs> All right, anybody else? Uh, for me, I actually got this from my, my father, who was a coach for, for 35 years. And right when I got into it, you know, I came out of – it took two years to go to ministry, but I came out of college and, I, you know, I played a little college ball. And, you know, I kept getting just drained by kids just not, you know, fully being in it and just like how do you not understand, you know, a simple stance and stuff like that. And my, my father was like, they're never going to love it as much as you do. And so for me to kind of understand, like, okay, they want to love it, the game. But the thing is, if you think that they're already on the same level as you, it's never going to build the relationship. And so when I got that, I got that in my first, like, three months of coaching. And it's just something that I've carried everywhere I've gone so far. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And I'm, I know we've all have, have been there and felt that frustration uh, usually comes out when you're coaching those freshmen or, or like coach Roy was talking or somebody, somebody was talking about coaching middle school football. Uh, I started, I coached middle school football for the first time, uh, when I came here to PG. And so I've grown to really like it, but man, you're right, coach. It's, it's, uh, it can be draining on you for sure. Uh, anyone else before we move on? Uh, talking about, uh, had an old coach to mention, uh, the home plate, uh, accountability, uh, rule one to me one time just uh, doesn't matter what uh, what level you're working with I started at the, the middle school level and uh, holding even those youngest kids accountable to the same standard you hold those oldest and your best athletes uh, told them to the same level of accountability all the way through and you know coaching them hard loving them harder type thing but holding those kids accountable from the bottom from the first time they enter your program all the way through yeah, that's great advice, and that's that's one thing that if you don't get that established early on, then uh, good luck with those guys the rest of the way because uh, it's going to be some tough sledding. All right, well, we're going to jump into the meat of this conversation and uh, and and really start talking some D line stuff. So uh, the first thing is um, the first question I have for you is is in your opinion, what's the most undercoached aspect of D line play? You know, there's a lot of things out there that you can hammer on and focus on. But it is, is in, your, in your mind or in your, your opinion, what are some, what's something, one, one aspect of D-line play that you see as maybe being undercoached? And Coach McCarty, what do you think the most underrated aspect of, coach, of coaching D-line might be? That's a good question. Good question because there's so many, so many different aspects, aspects of what we do uh, coaching D-line, whether it be, you know, run stuff, pass stuff, there's so much stuff that we have to deal with. 
trying to squeeze into our individual time. Um, I, I'd say for me, I'd say for me, it's all about fundamentals. It's all about technique. So I'm, it's, I, I'm very basic when I talk to my kids about, uh, you know, about all the, uh, you know, alignment, assignment, technique, all the different things that, you know, that we do, all the important things. I think under coach, I, I, I'll go pass rush. I'll talk pass rush. I think, <clears throat> I think maybe sometimes on pass rush, maybe sometimes we try to teach our kids too much, maybe too much, too many pass rush moves. And, you know, maybe they, they get better if we just teach them one or two pass rush moves to get really good at and just perfect those one or two moves so they can get really good at it, feel confident about what they're doing, and maybe not try to teach them too, too many pass rush moves because they'll, they'll, ne they'll never get good at anything. And then I think another thing, which I, I have to remind myself at times to be better at too for pass rush, is not just the pass, moves, the pass rush moves we're talking about or what we're doing in a specific drill, but for me, it'd be like counter moves. So I think I have to always remember, like, if I'm talking about a certain pass rush move, I got to make sure I'm, when I'm talking to my guys in a certain drill that I go over the counter move that, you know, hey, okay, so, you know, because a lot of times, you know, our kids are going to get beat. You know, they'll try this pass, move, push, pass rush move and they're going to get beat. So, okay, if you get beat, what are you going to do next? And a lot of times they just look at you and kind of stare at you and don't say anything. So I guess for me, it's just the knowledge of the game, just trying to teach them quick things they can remember, uh, not paralysis by analysis, not too much information. But just, okay, so, you, you, you know, you're trying, you know, chop club rip. Okay, so if you're trying that and come off the ball and you get stuck, what's your counter move? You know, does he have high hands? He has low hands? Talking about the offensive lineman. What's your counter move? So I think just try to keep it real basic, real simple, and just, you know, so the kids can, uh, you know, practice and get real good at one or two moves. But for me personally, uh, the counter moves, just really trying to make sure I don't forget about the counter moves. Like if you get stuck, you get beat, then, then what are you going to do? You're not just going to stop. You want to stay active. You know, I mean, what are you going to do? So I think counter, counter moves for me is what I've been trying to get a lot better at the last couple of years. Yeah, in my in my mind, it's it's and, and this is for me personally as a defensive line coach. I always thought of like coaching pass rush is like the dessert. You know, like everybody wants to eat dessert. Everybody wants to get get to that point. Yeah. But you got you got to eat your vegetables first, and that's coaching those kids to stop the run. But I know for me, you know, that's exactly right. I want to get to pass rush and start coaching up all these pass rush moves that I've seen on Twitter and seen all these dudes doing that, yeah. you know, that the Aaron Donalds of the world and the JJ Watts of the world. And, and then when you do that, yeah, you can neglect a lot of things, including those counter moves. Um, all right. So coach, coach, uh, coach Lyons, what, what do you got as far as maybe an aspect of coaching D line play that, that could be under coached? Uh, so I've kind of in the last year or two, I've kind of, uh, taking on the, the entire D-line. So um, I've kind of reprogrammed it to a new way where I can get reps and get, get stuff done with my guys. Um, one thing that I think that we, we lacked big time um, was just hips in general, not necessarily, uh, you know, flipping or anything, but just from the strike too, you know, you don't, you don't think about how much active, how active our hips are until you actually sit down and look at it. Um, um, for me, biggest thing is, is I'm always, I'm a step punch guy. I'm a tack react guy. Um, but I've, um, Matt Valmore at Bridgetown, I think kind of, kind of retrained me at a clinic. Um, and he's got me on hips now, you know, being like little cobras, snakes, um, coming out there and striking first and then working with what you got. I've always been a big believer of your first step is the biggest, the biggest part, um, but I think if you have your hips involved in your whole body and not punching that explosion, then, then uh, you know, you can kind of sort out whatever the situation may be. Um, 
big fan of that stuff. Um, and then when it comes to pass rush, and that, that's just speak and run. When it comes to pass, you know, uh, obviously I'm buddy-buddy with Sadiq Haynes at Sam. Um, he's, he's a big believer of getting hips around, not necessarily flipping them, you know, not going all Twitter crazy, but throwing and getting that outside arm involved so you get those hips on an angle to the quarterback, you know what I mean? So um, that's just two things that I've picked up that I've been focusing on that I think are really underutilized, especially nowadays. Uh, it, we, we've talked about it a lot on this podcast before about how sometimes those little minute details of things can can be, you know, they seem so insignificant that you're they're easy to skip over uh, because you get bored with them as a coach. The kids get bored with them. Um, you know, next week, you know, we start our sack camp, and the first thing I was making a plan out today for linebackers is. We're getting on the line. We're getting in a stance, and I already told the kids that, and they're rolling their eyes, and they don't want to do steps, and 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 but but you got to start there. You always got to start there with that base and build that foundation. And so uh, you're right. Hips is one thing that can definitely uh, sometimes be overlooked. Uh, I'll open up to the rest of you guys. Anyone else? Something as far as as coaching D line goes that you feel like can sometimes be undercoached or overlooked. I say uh, Ty protecting our linebackers going to squeezes and double teams that. Um, these kids are so programmed into, you know, looking at Twitter, looking, you know, on social media and seeing the star status of making a tackle in the backfield. But what they don't realize is that they don't squeeze, there's not a natural gap exchange. And you got a backer getting clobbered by a 300-pound guard. And we know that's never a good matchup and it's never good for our, uh, our, our backers, our, our guys behind us to get, you know, to get creamed like that. You know, I guess the, the, the undercoach thing is, is the big picture um, because the kids don't really understand it from a very basic level. But once they, you know, me and you have talked about this personally, once they understand, okay, this is the why, um, and once they figure that out, it starts clicking for them a lot faster. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I, I, I think, I don't think we ever, I, I don't think we can shy away from that why question. Maybe back, you know, in the day that was a, a no-no for kids to ask why, but I think I, I'm, I'm always open to having that 30 second conversation about why we're doing something, uh, you know, if, if guys, guys want to know. In fact, a lot of times I'll beat them to the punch. I'll say, Hey, this is stuff that they're doing with whatever school or whatever school to kind of give it credibility. Or this is something I picked up from, you know, a clinic this spring because you guys just think I sit around in the office and, you know, uh, shoot spit wads at the ceiling. Like we're, we're re, I'm researching stuff too and, and trying to put you guys in the best position to be successful. So uh, anybody else undercoached aspect of D-line play? No, I'd say their eyes. Uh, I listened to – sorry to interrupt. Uh, I listened to uh, one guy that they got one of their trainers just to film um, those kids' eyes that a bunch of them play Madden nonstop and they're just trying to sack the quarterback every single time. Um, and so getting your eyes in the right spot and learning the progression uh, as the play goes through, I think that's one of the biggest things that I'm trying to emphasize. Yeah, that's a great answer. Eyes is one. That, and that's one that it took me a while. Uh, you know, I've been coaching for a handful of years before I realized, oh, man, I, I, eyes, I didn't even say anything about it. I don't even, I mean, look at the dude in front of you, I guess. I don't know. Um, and, and so you kind of, that, that one's is, is easy to neglect for sure. Uh, anyone else? No, I just, I just want to say that's a good point about that last two coaches. But I think for during spring football, the, the last spring, um, the big emphasis for when I was trying to get my defensive ends, I, I, Coach Ziggler was talking about, you know, on the down blocker, the importance of why it's so important to squeeze on a down block, you know, and then 
uh, you know, triangle reads and the eye discipline where your eye's supposed to be and all that. That was a big emphasis for us the entire spring was uh, our defensive ends, you know, knowing where the H-back is and all the different things our offense was trying to do to us during the spring. But it was eye discipline. And then I think another thing, I, uh, which, is under, which, uh, which I think our kids, especially our younger kids, have a problem with too is film, like watching film. We're in there watching film with them because we had plenty of times watching meetings and, and my, my group changed a lot. This last year, I have a lot more younger kids in the D-line room now, a lot of young kids. So I think the emphasis of uh, all the basics, you know, all the basics, eye discipline, all those important little details. But the second thing was film, like, you know, trying to get the kids to learn how to watch film. What are they looking for? Well, first of all, what's the, you know, the why, like you said, I brought up the why a lot more this spring, why it's important to do our job, why it's important, because uh, we run a three, four, so I mean, our linebackers and safeties, make most of the plays in our defense, you know, so that's, that's the importance for us. You know, we're just trying to eat up blocks, you know, compress gaps so those linebackers can make plays. We funnel everything to the alley so those safeties can make plays. But just trying to teach the young kids why. So I, I think the last three, four coaches hit it perfectly. That was our, probably my whole emphasis over the, probably the whole entire spring um, was all those things probably the last three, four coaches talked about. Those are very, very good points. And we're still, I think we're getting better. We're growing, we're getting better, but we have so many, so many, so many more younger guys that don't have those Friday night reps and don't understand. So I think that's kind of what, uh, that was my struggle this spring for spring ball. Uh, just something that we're doing. Um, I mean, we singers undersized, we got a lot of small guys, that, linebackers, that kids that look like they could be linebackers that are playing defensive and stuff of that nature. But Ours is the mentality. I feel like kind of going off everything else is they see the stuff on social media and they see, you know, Aaron Donald and all this stuff. And they're like, oh, I just, you know, I sweep over the top of a guard and I just go play in the backfield. And then just the mentality of like D-line is not glorious. And D-line is, you know, you got to be kind of a ready to grind and ready to work and, you know, make the most of it when your time comes. But understand that, you know, 80, 90% of the game is you're just mashing and you're making things available for the rest of your team. but trying to get that through their head of like, listen, you're not trying to make a, a 30 play highlight reel out of one game. It's, it's the, the dirty work that makes you seen by a lot of other people. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, and all of those things you guys are talking about, a lot of the things that you're talking about are not the uh, glamorous, sexy aspects of playing defensive line, which is why consequently they can be under coach. You know, um, we got, we got, we got hips, we got counter moves off pass rush, um, protecting, you know, think having the the awareness of thinking about the dude behind you and not just what you're doing, um, your your eyes, and then just that mentality. You know, all those things are things that just when you're when you're coaching humans in general, you know, by by nature we're selfish and we want to think about ourselves, and so that's you're battling that just human nature and trying to think about, you know, think about other people and and what and how what you do affects others around you. So um, those are all great answers. Now, speaking of, we, we've already referenced Twitter and social media uh, a handful of times already in this conversation, and we're about to go there now. I'm going to share my screen with you guys um, and show you uh, so, so that we can all see this here together. So this is a, uh, this is a tweet, you know, from, from Craig Rowe. We, we've talked about uh, before we hit record here about what a great resource he is for defensive line and all the things that he's doing. So uh, I'll just read his tweet word for word. It says, how many defensive line coaches are teaching to strike with head and hands versus just hands? Um, and so then he has two videos and one you can see right there. It looks like maybe, I don't know, maybe Pittsburgh Steelers or something like that. Uh, guys coming off and they're punching the sled with their hands in their, in their, in their uh, face. 
And then the next video looks like maybe University of Washington where they're punching with their hands only. Uh, so I didn't see this until um, I, I didn't have my phone on me for a large part of that day. I think we had our, our little kids football camp. And so I didn't see it until the, the afternoon, evening when someone sent it to me and said, hey, what do you think about this? And before I read any of the comments, I just gave my response. And it was not um, what you would say in the majority of the comments that I saw. I went back and looked and I was like, oh, wow, I guess I'm uh, maybe a Neanderthal coach or something. So I just want to throw it over to you guys, and I'm just going to let you go. I'm not, I don't have anyone picked for this one. Let you guys uh, open it up to, to give your opinion on this. Uh, what is your thought on this as far as striking with head and hands versus just hands? Don't start going quiet on me now. Guys, we're taking the head out of tackling, right? So why are we going to bang our heads up against the big offensive lineman? That's my thinking. Um, this past spring, you know, with our guys, they, they struggled with pad level because we were just punching. Um, so I, I changed up our philosophy. We want to – I live in a very rural area in Louisiana where hunting – is is the big deal so i got a bunch of country kids so i use their nose and their eyes as a hunting reference so their eyes are their scope the nose is their the tip of the rifle the end of the barrel and their hands are the bullets so it's basically a race it's a race between my nose and my hands to get to my attack point and my hands better win so i'm still got my attack angle with my head place, you know, with my pad level. Because we all know we got the guys that want to punch and look and peek over the offensive lineman and their pad level goes up and they get on their backs quickly or they get drove back into linebackers' laps. So racing our nose and our hands and our hands have to win, you got to think about it. Like I was saying about a hunting, hunting reference, the bullet's going to travel out of the barrel. Your nose is the barrel, your hand's the bullet. Your eyes have to react to the scope. That's the scope. So that's that's just something I got it wrote down on my notes right here. Um, that's a, uh, a a West Washita reference right there. All right. Yeah. Hey, you got to find a way to relate to your kids, and obviously, that's uh, I, I guarantee you that's going to um, that's going to speak to a lot of those kids and and shoot a lot of kids in East Texas. Also. All right. You. I know you other guys have opinions on this, so let's hear it. I'll go ahead and go. Uh, if you look at the first video, uh, it looks like Iowa, uh, or like you said, the Steelers, black and gold. It's a, that's a six-inch step, and then when you take that six-inch step, your hands hit, your your face mask comes into contact with that offensive line. If you look at the second video, um, I think it's Washington, maybe, uh, that purple and gold. Um, that's coming straight out of your hips, making more violent contact, in my opinion. Uh, hands are obvious, excuse me, your head is out of contact, so your eyes can go through the progression of the play. Um, and you get more knockback in that second video than you do on the first. I think that's a part of the benefit to me. So here's, I'll go ahead and say what, what I said um, to this person who sent this to me. I said, well, you know, use your, I, I always say face mask and hands. And, and, and so how I've always coached it is, is, you know, we're, 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 you know, we're taking our, we're taking our six inch power step. Although I've kind of gotten gone away from saying that and kind of like um, who was it? Uh, Coach Lyons was saying, you know, really emphasizing hips and, and coming out of your hips, but that like, how do you, I guess, I know it, it sounds really, really good and it looks really good on those videos. And you're right, Coach Regal, it's like, man, that second video looks a lot better to me. 
but is that possible to play a game without using your face mask? Like, I, I guess, and I asked this um, on this thread, and I wasn't trying to be a smart aleck. I'm like, hey, can I? Can you just show me like where it's actually like in a game where that's happening? Because, or is this just like clinic talk? Like we want to, because I promise you, I want the head out of the game too. Like I'm not trying to go back to saying, hey, head across the bow and and let's go Oklahoma drill every. I, I'm not that. I'm not an old school coach. But to me, like, how do you create knockback consistency? Like you have to use your face face mask, right? And and I don't like that first video. Like they are. That's the definition of they're burying their face in the chest, and we I don't want that. And so I think I'm more of kind of like a hybrid between the two. Like, yeah, use your face mask, like put that face mask on his chin strap to kind of get some knockback and get that off his alignment's head back. And so you can get those shoulder pads up in his neck. I, you know, I don't know, maybe you can do that without hands. I just have never been, able, I've never taught it that way. And, and, and so anyway, there, there, there are kind of my two cents on it. Uh, if someone wants to jump in and, and tell me what they think. I think, yeah, go ahead, Josh. I think that, you know, you, you make a good point about being a hybrid between the two. Kind of like I said, you know, I'm transitioning to the whole hips thing. Um, So I I can't give you a definitive answer, but, but what I can tell you is that, uh, you know, I'm looking for my guys to pop and peak. I want it to be quick. You know, if I can keep the, and I have long guys, I'm not, I don't have a bunch of short guys. I got long armed, you know, 230 pound defensive ends that, that have length. So for them, and I guess this is the way that I think of it, I'm not trying to put those guys in the mix and get them wrapped up. You know, they're not, they're not weight room warriors. They're just long. So I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the belief that if I can get that separation, and they're fast. I mean, I got one kid that anchors the four by one. Uh, if, if I can get him to pop and peak and find ball right now and trash him and go, then I, I, think, we're, I think we're good. <laughs> Can't have my long guys, man. <laughs> yeah, real quick. I know there's someone else I want to talk. I think that's a great point. Like, that's either way, you don't want them making – this shouldn't be where they're just in there for it, – it's pop. It's a pop is a good way of putting it. Like, I'm popping and peeking. And so it's happening really fast. And, again, that first video isn't – it's way too long. And, you know, um, and, and and so if that those are my kids going on that, I would I would have something to say about that. Like, dude, why are you burying your face in the chest like that? And you can see their arms aren't fully extended, uh, and so they're probably getting held if that's in a game. Um, and these guys, bless their hearts, they never knew that their video would be th- this scrutinized. They're like, chill, dude. I was in college. Okay, sorry. I mean, crap. Let's pull up your 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 uh, practice tape um, and and break down your practice tape. So, thankfully, there's none of that floating around. Um, all right, anybody else? Coach, I think we all want the same thing, hands, hips, feet, you know, but we just want to make sure the head's going to happen. We just don't want to say it just to protect the kids, to protect ourselves. Because you just don't know, man, the way the protocols are and everything is now, you can't risk it, you know, but it's going to happen. But the main thing is emphasize hands, hips, feet, hands, hips, feet, kind of like right. osmosis. Hopefully it'll just fall in there. Coach, you're right, and you're you're very wise, um, and and uh, in in saying that that you know you can't say it, although we all know it's going to happen. Probably doesn't need to be part of your progression, um, and so luckily I'm backing up a little bit. But and that brings a whole new issue though with linebackers because now um, how do I take on the Josh Lyons of the world, the fullbacks of the world who are coming to run ISO at me? Like I'm going to punch my hands and and keep my head out of the way, like. 
you know, and, and that's a whole nother rabbit hole that we could go down. But um, anyway, uh, I, I won't, I won't, I'll, we'll stick it. We'll stick to just D line play right now. I don't need you guys to, you know, have to solve my personal issues at this point, but um, anybody else um, uh, have a, have a, have a thought on this. Just one more comment, I guess, to wrap up on my end and, and get, get you guys on the page where I am. I think, like I said earlier, it's, it, you want the Cobra strike. You know, you, you want to turn your guys into a Cobra, have them leaned out, and their feet will follow. And that's, that's something that I've always believed in is that you can always speed up your feet. You can't speed up your hips, and you can't speed up your hands. Once you're on, you're on. You know, um, I feel like I feel like an, another big issue, and maybe this is why it's becoming like I don't have sleds um, or a mass amount of sleds for my guys to work on. I have a two man, and that's about it. Um, but our sleds are older, you know, straight out of the seventies. You have to hit them with your head to get your hands up or to get them lifted up. I feel like you, you can get so much more utilizing a wall or a goalpost or any of that, and I feel like kind of like what Coach Acosta was saying, like your head's going to be in it, but, you know, the progression is hands, hips, feet. You know, that's what you want to look for. I feel like some of the equipment we use kind of brings us down sometimes too. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Coach. Absolutely. Yeah, Coach, I, we got to love a sled that you have to get your head into it for it to, to, to engage. And I don't use it much, but maybe for six-point, you know, hip explosions, and we're not even trying to get that thing in the air. Yeah, that sled was probably made back when they thought, you know, giving water breaks was a bad thing, Coach Ziggs. So uh, you do have to kind of understand, you know, hey, <laughs> let me look back. You know, those they have the years on those things. You look back and it's 1970. Okay. All right, guys, let's let's move on down the road. Let's let's get let's just start hitting on each other here. Let's uh let's go to the next question. And again, if if anyone has any any anything they want to say while I'm while I'm transitioning over to this next question, you feel free to pop in and say something. But this this season, if you could only do one drill during your indie period, what would it be and why? So you got one drill. Um, I know if your coach at a smaller school, kind of like me, like you feel like that's all you get anyway during the year is one one indie drill, and then the whistle's blowing, and you're like, wait, what? We we just okay, all right. So that's all we got today. All right, cool. Uh, so one drill uh, for this whole season. What are you doing? I want to do the down box spiel. That's what I want to do. <laughs> I want to wake them up. That's what we doing, baby. We down block and spilling. Let's blow it up. <laughs> That's me. That's what I now, want. Coach, I, I love that. Now, while, while we're on that, how are you, uh, how are you teaching uh, spill technique? I'm still going with the wrong arm. That's because that's how I learned it. That's how I still want the wrong arm. Bounce it out. I'm old school with it. Guy step down, you in his ass, follow through with the wrong arm, and we make a play. That's, uh, that's how I'm still teaching it. <laughs> great, great. All right, so uh, was, I saw some 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 uh, heads nodding there when he said uh, run it, you know, down block and and working spills. Uh, what else you guys got? What would be your one drill if you had to work? I know for me, we would do the uh, kind of the, the two on one, just block recognition, just you know, working double, working reach, working down, you know split flow kind of stuff like that, but just working on getting, you know, your hands on, you know, your man, eyes in your gap. Um, I mean, if we do down block spill, we work the dent technique. We started working the dent technique this off season, but yeah, we just, just, you know, as rep as many as we can of just seeing stuff. Cause I, I know we, we struggle with, with just recognizing 
you know, we watch knees now. We started watching knees this off season and, and just trying to like recognize where they're going. Cause a lot of our guys, you know, going back to the other stuff, our eyes want to, you know, peek and pop and, and see stuff and they don't actually pay attention to where anything in the play is going. And then they're kind of just standing there by themselves in a, in a B gap, just looking around. Yeah, that would, that would be my answer would be that work in the pods. And that's a little bit, that's kind of, maybe that's kind of cheating because you can do so much within that drill, but doing your two on one stuff. Cause if that's all you did during the week is you took the blocks that they're going to see that week and you rep the heck out of those things, then, I mean, you know, you can, you can coach up a lot uh, in that drill. So I think that would be my answer as well. I'm going to say the same thing, probably my pods. That's because I can do everything. I can do everything. I can work everything in there. I can do stance. I can, I can fix the stance. You know, I, I can do everything that we need to do. Stance, you know, your eyes, your eyes from ankle to knee, where are your eyes? I can work all the blocks that I need to rock base reach down. I can put an ace back or a sniffer away because we're having problems. We're not spilling. I can work all those basic blocks in that, you know, 10-minute period, 10, whatever, 15-minute period. I can work so much in pods or half line. That's, that, 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 that's what I would do as well because you can just get so much out of it. Like you said, Coach, like you said, you can get a lot of reps too. You can get lots and lots of reps. Rotate your guys. They can get a lot of reps. So that's that's what I would do for sure. Coach Mendoza, what you got? Trash drill, man. You already know. I've definitely benefited from uh, you teaching the guys at Tivy that drill. That's something that me and you know Coach Russ did almost uh, almost on a daily basis, man. Getting off those blocks and uh, you know shedding into your your primary or your secondary gap. You know that's, that's a, a staple for sure. One that I'm going to take with me to New Braunfels, too. Yeah, and I didn't have to pay Coach Mendoza that much for him to say that. Just uh, slide him a, 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 you know, Chris Benjamin there um, and and for him to get him to say that. But, no, he, he's he's talking about the trash show, which I referenced a lot in in, in this podcast, and and uh, it's one of those drills. It's one of my favorite drills um, to do. Uh, that would be a, a definitely a close second to, um, to, to a pod work for sure. Anybody else? We've worked that trash drill daily since I, I found out about that. Since, since you mentioned it on here and I looked it up and watched it and I was like, man, we've worked that daily. Uh, the guys really start to, what I found is they really, they, they, once they, once like the light clicks, then, then, you know, they're getting off blocks and it's a thing of beauty. And I, and I did this my last couple of years at Tybee where I would make at the end of the year, make a just a, a almost like a highlight clip and just call it you know trash drill highlights or whatever and it was just guys and I don't want like guys like brawling where they're just you know bar fighting with an offensive guard but like where they're coming off and they're running their progression they're getting extension they're peaking and they're trashing and we had a nose guard um that was probably the best that I've ever had at doing it and and he man he was just you couldn't I mean he would take over a game just from his nose guard spot uh, because he was so good at that drill. So, yeah, that's that's a definitely a good one. I wish I could take credit for it, but it was just a video. Uh, kind of the story behind that was in 2014, I think, uh, we were kind of having issues with that, and it was in the playoffs. And um, I was uh, Google or something. I found it, and and we, we started working it the next day, and it was a little rocky and a little uh, – didn't go off, you know, just great. The kids didn't respond to it really – uh, you know, like you would want them to at first, but then we just kind of stuck with it. And, and it's really been a big difference maker for us and, and brought it here to Pleasant Grove as well. Uh, okay. Well, here, here we go. Let's, 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 let me ask you this one. Um, let's, let's, let's talk pass rush. Now let's get into the dessert as I, as I called it earlier. 
uh, drawing inspiration from another tweet I saw this week. And this wasn't from Craig Rowe, but I saw this one get some action. And I really, really, really wanted to jump on and respond. But kind of like how you can, how things can happen on Twitter. I don't want people to think I'm getting salty or that I'm calling people out or any, I just, I just, I'd rather just say, Hey, let's just talk about it. And let me see what you, if, if what you're saying is what I think you're saying and what, you know, that, that sort of thing. So here's your chance to, uh, to air your uh, opinions out on this one. Uh, are you teaching a hip flip when coaching pass rush? Why or why not? You see a lot of drills, you know, where, where guys are flipping their hips around, around pop-ups, uh, doing different things. Um, and, and I'm, that's, that's, that's simulating, you know, when they're turning that corner, uh, around that offensive lineman to go and, and get a sack. So are you a teacher of the hip flip? Why or why not? And, and, uh, coach McCarty, I know it seems like I've started with you a lot, but uh, I'm gonna start with you because you are a defensive ends coach and, and, uh, and been at this, um, longer than, than maybe some of us. So what do you think coach? Uh, uh, yes, I guess to answer your question, I say, yes, I am. Um, I also believe that it kind of depends on what you're doing. I mean, your noses, if you're kind of going over that bull snatch, I mean, you definitely have to flip your hips. You're trying to reduce your surface area, you know, you definitely, you know, got to finish with the ribs so you don't have time to reset his hands. So I think kind of depending upon the position, depending upon what pass rush move you're trying to, to execute, you're trying to do, I think, yes, I think you definitely have to have, you know, be able to flip your hips at times. Um, but I think like, and I'm sure every, I'm sure every coach here, um, has you know, a wealth of knowledge and does things similar ways and different ways, but, um, as well. But, um, I just think that, uh, you have to try to, you have to reduce your surface area, you know, your chest as much as possible. So I guess flipping your hips, that helps doing that. But I think at the same time, you still have to make sure you know, you're working upfield. I mean, a lot of times, you know, sometimes I'll get frustrated with, some of our guys, when they're working on a pass rush move, they'll, they'll do a great job, you know, getting off the ball because it's all about your ball get off. Getting off the ball, did a great job, active hands, and they try to work and move, and then they, they, sort of, they sort of try to flip their hips a little bit, but then they stop. Either they stop or they stop their feet, and they just sort of stop, and they give the offensive lineman a chance to, to reset his hands or get their bounce or reset their hands and set their hands in our chest and then lock us up, and then we're done. So I guess, you know, uh, yes to answer your question, but – um, uh, you still have to work, work your passion. You still have to work up the field. You know, you want to try to get your offensive lineman. You have to open, turn his shoulders, move his feet, trying to, you know, because we're, we're supposed to be better athletes than those offensive linemen. So make those guys work, make them turn their shoulders, make them move their feet, use their leverage against them, you know, as best you can. But I think with the hips, uh, the best thing I try to help our kids learn is if you don't, if you don't get off the ball, you're not violent with your hands or active with your hands, at least, at least get them to respect your, your speed, your ball get off. Uh, the reason why we're, we're trying to teach you to flip your hips or do what you're doing with your hips is, is so they, so you can reduce that surface area. I think that's the, I'll go back to that basically just, if not guys, they're, they're just, they're just going to, they're going to just quick set you punch, 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 and they're going to stay in front of you. And then you're not going to go anywhere. The ball's gone in three seconds. Anyway, I mean, the ball's gone two, two, three seconds. Anyway, uh, now the, you know, these days with the, all the offense and the, the quick game and all the, the quick strike air raid offenses and stuff, the ball's gone in two, three seconds anyway. So you got to, you better make your move. You better make your move fast. And it's got to be quick. So sorry, I was a little, little long winded. Apologies. No, 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 no problem. No problem. Anybody else have an opinion on the hip flip? I guess, I, I guess my whole thing on it is 
you know, kind of like Coach was saying is you, you try and flip those hips and you only got so much time. I've gotten to the point I'm, I'm more into this right now and this may be a phase, but I've gotten to where, uh, you know, I, I tell my kids to run a 40. If I'm going to run a 40, I'm going to, I'm going to widen out a little bit and I'm telling them to get from point A to point B in two or three steps. I've gotten out of the power moves, you know, the bull rushes and stuff just because we get down the middle of people and we just go left and right, left and right. Now you have no vertical pressure. Um, you know, I, like I said, uh, I'll throw that, I'll have them throw that outside arm. And I mean, technically that's a hip flip, but really to me, it's a, it's a bend of the pocket. You're trying to bend that pocket, keep it contained in there. You know what I mean? I'm not, I, you don't necessarily flip anything. And that's whether you're converting out of a long arm or even if you rip, okay, if I club and rip and then I throw that outside arm, all I did was pull out the rip. And now my hips are flipped to the quarterback. I'm straight line to the quarterback. So I mean, technically I'm there, but I'm not, I'm not directly teaching a, a hip flip. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that's a good point that, you know, it really does depend on the set that you're getting from the offensive lineman. Um, Coach, yeah. I talked about this not too, not too long ago, but like if I'm getting off the ball so fast that now, you know, like my nursery rhyme is, is if, if we're even, I'm leaving. Like if my hip, our hips are even, I'm leaving. So I don't need to hip flip. Like I beat him, but now, you know, if he is, if he is uh, setting high on me, he's retreating and, you know, he gives me an aggressive set where he shoots his hands. Well, now I do have to do something whether I'm, you know, whether I'm going to forklift it or whether I'm chopping and dipping, ripping, like I have to, then I do have to flip because he, he's basically on my track, but you're right. Like if you have the guys that you have coach lines that are those track guys, like dude, widen those dudes out and they don't even know what, they don't know how to spell flip, like just go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's where it comes in that, you know, you're racing to that spot that, that, you know, four and a half yards behind that tackles left or outside foot. Um, but, but so what, if you were to look at the things that I was reading on Twitter, it was like, it was kind of like back when I was in middle school and I was still wearing blue jean shorts. And I found out that they weren't cool anymore before my buddies telling me that, Hey dude, no one wears blue jean shorts to school anymore. You need to go and put those away. And I was like, dang, is the hip flip not cool anymore? Like what am I, am I? Am I behind? So um, anyway, I think that it is, it does, in my opinion, does still have its merit that you do, but that you don't, you're not always working. It just sort of depends on the set given to you by the offensive lineman. I agree with the, the set that you get. Um, and it comes off of film study, I believe. If that, uh, if that tackle is in a vertical step and keep your shoulders square for a long time period, then you cannot curve it. I mean, you're going to have to snatch, pull across and cut that corner as fast as possible. I'm going to put it in my kid's toolbox, but we're not going to live in it kind of deal is the best way I'm going to describe that. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, that, that for sure. Uh, anyone else? I think uh, really what we started doing this year, and I was blessed. I had a lot of really quick kids, athletic kids. So we started working turning our toes a lot to turn the hips. When we worked the pop-ups, it was always turn your toe, flip your hips, turn your toe, flip your hips over and over again. And like Coach said, that was just part of the toolbox. You know, we worked everything else. But since we were starting to get a lot of just raw, quick pressure, we tried to emphasize that to try to get them there as quick as possible. You know, turn your toe, turn your hips. I teach turn your toe into being. The flipping the hips, you know, it looked good and stuff, but sometimes players – they fast and they, they end up taking themselves out of play a little bit, you know, or whatever. And, you know, so yeah, I teach turn to toe. 
<laughs> yeah, I, no, I, I, I'm definitely on that, uh, you know, pointing that inside toe. Uh, you're going to go where that toe goes. I will ask another question here. Now it's the summertime. You know, you got time. You're going to be traveling, working out in the yard, listening to podcasts, have a chance to hit up some coaches and talk to them about some things. So what's one aspect of D-line play that you're wanting to learn more about or maybe that you've already been looking into and learning more about uh, this offseason? And and we'll start with um, start with you, Coach Ziegler. What you got? Oh, man, you already know is the pass rush techniques and everything like that because – um, and, 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 and how to prevent, you know, just the different, different things with, uh, with getting washed down. Definitely when you're playing a nose or you're slanting into the down, let's say you're playing a five tech and you slant in the B gap and you got the tackle, you know, taking his track to the back and he's just, you know, latching on and washing down how to, how to counter our weaknesses, um, as a defensive line, that would be the the big the two big things: pass rush and how to counter our weaknesses if we do get caught in a uh, compromised position. Yeah, Co- Coach Manor, what about you? Well, for us, we uh, I mean, we like I've said multiple times, we have undersized kids. I mean, our our defensive end, our starting defensive end right now is you know five ten, one eighty five. Our nose guard's a you know a, a rising fresh or a rising sophomore. I mean he's he's a big kid, but it's just one of those things that like we've got a little bit of speed. Uh, our biggest thing is you know just run run defense. You know how to stop the run undersized. Like ours is you know we we teach techniques and you know going back to kind of with the hands thing. You know they all want to just you know use their speed almost too much to where they just completely olay everything instead of actually you know, working technique into to where it sets them up for success, but also just sets our, our whole defense up. So, you know, different run stop techniques, you know, looking into kind of how can we, you know, morph what we're doing right now into, you know, with the kind of the small man in mind. I mean, we're, you know, we don't have the, you know, the long anchor 230 kids. We have, you know, the, the go get them kids. And so, we got a lot of fight, but we're trying to. I just that's going to be us this this off season is trying to figure out how to kind of blend a, an undersized line into into being some solid run stoppers. Uh, Coach uh, Coach Mendoza and I can definitely relate to playing. You know, trying to stop the run with undersized kids. Um, uh, I uh, felt like that was that was the same the the same story every year. We when I was when I was in Kerrville is is, is you know trying to uh, you know, utilize some, some under undersized kids and, and, and teach them how to take on double teams. And, and, uh, that was always, always difficult. So, uh, I can definitely that's relate. Country way. That's, that's right. That's country right. Way. That's the country kids. I grew up in Fredericksburg. I know. There you go. Country way. There you go. The, the kids are just like the deer, you know, there's a bunch of them, <laughs> they ain't very big, you know, um, that's for sure. Uh, so anyway, uh, anybody else on that, something you're looking forward to, to, uh, learning more about or talking more about this off season. Something I want to, you know, continue looking and learning about is just the, uh, offensive line pass protections, different types, talking about slide protection, talking about vertical highs, vertical lows, like, you know, what, just learning more and how to attack those with the, with the pass rush, like coach Ziggler was talking about, like what, what's advantageous against this type of. Uh, of, of offensive protection. So 
pass rushing combined with, you know, the offensive lines, uh, you know, pass protection, how to combat and whatnot like that. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I think like pass rush is like the never ending quest. You're always looking for that one way or that better way to do it. But for me, something I'm going to try to focus in on is, is uh, drills to work, the, different drills to work the same things. So you don't start doing the same thing over and over and over again, man, because it just wears those kids out. It wears you out, you know? So just trying to find different ways to work the same thing every day. Yeah, that's right, Coach. I, I think that um, for our own sanity, uh, that that it's it, it's good to find, you know, you're still covering the same skill, but just in a different way can really, um, you know, keep uh, keep it from being such a such a drag, especially when you get in the middle of the season and, and uh, or you're that you're that last week of, of fall camp or whatever when when you haven't hit anybody in a different color jersey in a while so um well hey guys i, I hope you're uh, i hope you're okay with us hanging on and doing a little bit of rapid fire questions now um i haven't i think all of you guys can attest i sent some of you guys who uh, some of you an outline so you kind of had a were able to cheat a little bit on this part but on this next part no one had any questions coming into it but i will tell you this if you've listened to this podcast before i'm going to ask some of the same questions that i ask in this segment to you guys and here's the difference is i'm just gonna i'm just gonna call on you and it's kind of like being in class uh, back in the day in high school you just got to be ready to go um and so if you get caught sleeping then then we're all gonna laugh at you so um, anyway, here we go. Here is the first rapid fire question. Okay. And I've been asking this one a lot lately, but I want to hear what is your writing utensil of choice and tell me why or why, or tell me why it's a pen. I'm just kidding. Um, my, for me, it's a pen, but what's your writing utensil of choice? Coach Lyons, what you got? Uh, I actually just, actually just switched to these, uh, these friction pens from pilot. Uh, I'm a rocket book guy. Fresh, fresh, new lifestyle. So uh, they're very beneficial to carry around with you. You know, knock out, knock out the writing in the rocket book, erase it, and then roll on to the next day. So, okay, all right, all right. Uh, and and Coach Fuller likes he likes um, pit, pads and pads of paper and pens. So like, if you want to get on his good side, oh, he caught he caught me today and was like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, he likes stuff like that. So that's always a good thing, you know, boss appreciation day, whatever. All right. Uh, Coach Acosta, writing utensil of choice. I don't like writing utensil. I don't even know if that's the correct term, but he, he, and old school, just big pen, just something I can just push goes in and out, man. Okay. Yeah. I don't know, like some of y'all millennials, man. I can't <laughs> that. Something that doesn't get all over my clothes, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. All right. So we're moving on, moving on. Those are the only guys that get to answer that question. Sorry. If you had a really, if you had a really uh, impassioned answer about why your pen is the best pen in the world, you'll have to you'll throw it out there on Twitter or something, or, or you can tell us later. Next question is um, what's on the game day playlist for you? Uh, Coach Rory, we got to start with you, man. Okay. You got to tell us what's on that game day. What's on that game day playlist. What's getting you juiced. Uh- I'm I'm versatile, man. I got a little DMX, have a little Phil Collins in the air tonight. Uh, I have a little bit of ACDC. You know, I, I have a little bit of Arsenal with mine. So I'm I'm bringing it. I'm a little I got, I got you. Rap. 
Yeah. You gotta have some uh, North Carolina. Come yeah. on. Okay. Well, Petey Pablo, some of the kids. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, gotcha. I gotcha. All right, Coach Argillis, what's on the game day playlist? Uh, I'll jump around. I'll go rap. I'll go a little bit of uh, sometimes some country uh, to calm it down right before the storm. Um, but Metallica, Enter Sandman, who's uh, is probably number one. Um, Thunderstruck was played in my weight room every single day. Um, so that was good. Uh, and then I'll hit up uh, some Tennessee whiskey right before game time. Okay. Calm it down. Maybe my um, proudest moment as a dad up to this point is my 19-month-old son um, cause I would play for my, my son, who's about to start kindergarten with in the, in the, in the truck, going to his soccer game, three on three soccer game, which is kids basically chasing butterflies or playing thunderstruck in my truck. So the 19 month old son, he, he kind of got used to it. So he'll, he'll ask for it. The way he asked for it is by pumping his fists. And so that's why I know what he wants. And so, yeah, we're all about some thunderstruck, uh, for sure. At our house, I probably played just about every day. Um, great, great way to start the day, especially when everyone's up at six 30. So, uh, okay. Uh, next question. Next question. This one's real quick. Uh, are you a grass or turf guy? Coach McCarty grass or turf? What do you prefer? In high school, I would say definitely grass played on grass. So I'd say grass uh, over the last 20 years. I'd say that the, the new stuff that's out now is pretty good, but in my younger days in high school, I definitely want to say grass. Yeah, no to AstroTurf, I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, like the old Bauer Stadium, Coach Lyons, uh, used to be. Okay. Uh, Coach, Coach Zig, Coach Zig, grass or turf? Man, you know how that Louisiana heat is. Turf, we got it. It helps out a lot, but we all know how hot that turf is, man. That, that first time, that first practice we had in, you know, that end of July, 1st of uh, August, there's – those poor kids' cleats, they, they never felt the heat on their feet until that day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's always a, a punch in the face when you walk out to the practice field in August and feel that heat rising up off that rubber. Um, and I think there's some, some turf fields out now that where it's, like, supposed to be a lot cooler. It's, like, the stuff that they put in there. Maybe you guys know something about that. It's, like, not the rubber pellets, but it's something else. Uh, anyway. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, here's what I want to hear about, uh, game day superstitions. Uh, coach Acosta, do you have a game day superstition? Are you superstitious? And if so, what are your game day superstitions? Man, I'm not really superstitious more than I follow my same routine. I got to work out that morning and I have to, I have to have to go work out. I have to have my clothes ready. I have to have my bag ready. I have to set it all out. I have to make sure I get on the checklist and have my stuff put in a hallway already. If I don't follow that routine, I'm, I'm toast the rest of the day. That's all I worry about. So it's not really superstition more than routine. All right. So you're like Michael Scott. You're not superstitious, but you are a little stitious uh, for office fans there. Uh, all right. Anybody, I'll open this question up for everybody. Let's let's, cause you guys probably got some weird quirks that the world needs to know about. So, uh, what are your, if you have some game day superstitions, what are they? Or something that you have to do on game day. Maybe it's not necessarily superstitions. I'm with Coach, uh, Coach Costa on the, on the game day lift. I like to go get an arm pump in a couple hours before game time. You know, get in there, get, get some buys and tries. Um, and, uh, I, you know, get some, get, some, get some inner Sandman going. Uh, you know, that, that, that sort of thing. Uh, anybody else, what you got? Game day stuff. 
I don't know if it's a superstition, but uh, the feeling of getting there on a Friday night and seeing the stadium empty, that we get there so early, and seeing all the empty seats and kind of envisioning how the game's going to go kind of gets me going, man. Mine is a pregame meal. I got to have some coffee. I got to have some pasta, a salad. Mine, I have to eat. I have to, my pregame meal has to be good. They have to, they have to be on point. That's me. It was like that when I played. Pregame meal is very important. It set the whole tone for me. Coach Zig, now you shaking your head now, Coach Zig. So what you got? What's your pregame meal, Coach Zig? Oh, man. I tell you what, we have a lady that comes and cooks for us, uh, whether it be a set meal every other week or whatnot. And uh, to be honest with you, man, I hadn't got this size for being picky. So uh, we, <laughs> we all know uh, I'm always – I'm a lineman at heart, lineman all, over, all the way. So, you know, we like to eat. But I, I would say a superstition I would have is more of a scare – uh, I'm, I'm scared that I'm not going to get dressed in time to be out there for pregame. Um, so I, right after pregame meal, I go and go on and get just about 80% of my stuff on because I'm running down for officials. I'm turning on lights. I'm the gopher. So I'm trying to, to organize all my stuff and I handle equipment on top of director of football ops and on top of D-line stuff. So, yeah, I'm scared that I'm always going to get caught up and not have time to be down there for pre-game warm-ups. Yeah, I, think now, I want to know what's, what's her best dish that she cooks. Man, I miss she slow Cajun cooks food. it. She, you know, it's just that, you know, we're north Louisiana, so we're up in the mountains, the Cajuns call it. Uh, her, her, she slow roasted pork loin. It is so tender. And with her uh, loaded mashed potatoes on the side, with the dessert, with the pass rush of banana pudding. Oh, there we go. Yeah, Coach Argelis, he had the dino ribs on the smoker this week. So uh, he's, you know, I didn't get any uh, overnight it to me. So I'm assuming they were good. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, there wasn't that, any left. <laughs> that pregame meal is important. For sure. And, and I think we've all had that dream where you wake up and, and you miss the team bus or you, you, you running out there throwing your stuff on as everybody's going through warmups. That is a, that's, that's a, that's a terrible nightmare to have. And I think we've all had it. Well, guys, we're going to, we're going to stop it right there. We could, I'm sure keep this thing rolling well into the, uh, into the evening here. Uh, but we're going to, we're going to bring it to a close there. Uh, once again, I want to thank you guys so much uh, for, for, for joining us. And, and for making this episode a fun one and, and uh, just want to wish all of you guys the best of luck and, uh, and, and look forward to staying in touch with you uh, this, this next year in 2021. Thanks once again to coach Ziegler, coach Mendoza, coach Maynard, coach Rory, coach McCarty, coach Argelis, coach Acosta and coach Lyons for joining me today. Hey, look, if you would like to be a part of an episode like the one we did today, then keep your eyes peeled for an announcement about just such an episode that we're going to be doing uh, toward the end of the summer. Similar format, different guests, and, and different topics, obviously, but we would love for you to be a part of that one. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at KYPD Podcast. Also, you need to give all of our guests from today's episode a follow as well and let them know you heard them here on KYPD. You can find their Twitter handles on our Twitter feed or in the show notes of today's episode. Also, if you're a fan of the podcast, then let the world know and leave us a five-star rating and a review. We are coming off our most listened to month ever, and our audience is growing, and we want it to continue to grow. So take a few minutes to do those things for us. I love getting feedback from you guys.
Our quote of the day goes like this. Care about what other people think, and you'll always be their prisoner. And that will do it for us today. Have a great week. Get out there and make a difference wherever you are. And what else you got for them, guys? Keep your pants down. down.